everybody, welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right, we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are. Welcome to the 114th episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. We're definitely doing this then. We're definitely going to just say every number going forward. (laughs) No, I just like doing it every so often. I think we did it last time. We made a joke about it last time. We'll not make a joke about it this time. We'll be serious about it. This is very serious. This is the 114th episode. It's humorous that we've done this podcast for two years worth of podcasting and we haven't talked about this. (laughs) Like this topic or just like in general? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Fair enough, fair enough. Zach, what have you been playing recently? Seth, recently I've been playing the game that I think everyone in this world is playing, and that's Wordle. Ah, yes. For those who are in the future and don't know what Wordle is, or wonder about it because it's behind a paywall because it's bought by the New York Times, Zach's gonna explain how it works. So it's the hit craze of 2022, and this game was developed by Josh Wardle and released in October of 2021. It's a web-based puzzle game. Uh, Basically, the idea is that every day you go to the Wordle website and you are prompted to guess a five-letter word. Uh, You input your first guess, and what will happen is you'll either get it on the first try, which has never happened to me, or what's likely to happen is it will tell you um, certain letters will be grayed off, and certain letters will be yellow, and certain letters might be green. Uh, These all mean different things. Gray letters means that the letter you used is not in the word of the day. Yellow letters means that the letter is used in the word, but you put it in the wrong place. Green letters means it's used and you put it in the right place. So basically the idea is to just kind of narrow down the word based on the letters that you have used, the letters that you can't use, and the letters that you've already put in place. And you get six guesses, and if you don't get any of those, then you have to wait a full day to try the next one. I think that's kind of unique about Wordle is it kind of has a crossword vibe to it where you really only get one shot at it per day. Uh, If you fail, you have to literally wait the next day at midnight to try the game again and if you win you have to wait the next day to try the game again so it's it's really just a once per day sort of thing and i think it's also fitting that i've compared it to crosswords because as seth alluded to the game was recently purchased for an undisclosed seven figure number to the new york times the new york times promises that it will be free for a period of time who knows how long that period of time will last maybe by the time this episode is out it will no longer be that period of time but we will see. But that's what I've been recently playing, Seth. I've been pretty much playing it every day since I found out about it. I don't think I've missed a day. I've been a pretty regular Wordle player. I would also recommend Googling Wordle instead of going, don't go to wordle.com. That's not a website. Um, but it is uh, powerlanguage.co.uk. What about you, Seth? What have you been recently playing? Uh, so recently I've been playing the third Hitman game, Hitman 3, which is the third game. So not the third released Hitman game, just the third Hitman game in the new trilogy that was recently out. The newest of Hitman games. Because there's Hitman 1, 2 is Silent Assassin, Contracts is 3, then Blood Money, then Absolution, then they reset the whole thing. 
So it's the third Hitman of the new story. The Hitman games, um, if you've never played them, it could be called like a murder simulator. You are given like a sandbox map and you have to figure out how to kill your target in a way that's generally not seen and is also not disruptive to other people. And also you get points if it's an accident or you get various points if you use weird weapons or use the environment or it looks like an accident and so on and so forth. This game was released on Steam just January 20th of 2022. However, it was released a year earlier on Epic and also through IOI, which is IO Interactive, their own platform. So you could buy it directly through IOI or you can buy it through Epic. But now it's on Steam, so I bought it. Uh, I think that they did a really good job with the maps in this game to the point where I'm probably going to sadly buy more of it uh, once I finish this campaign uh, since I really, really like uh, the maps that they did. The second map in particular is just is easily my top five hitman maps with the hitman map from contracts where you have to kill the mafia guy that's probably the piece of resistance of a of a hitman map but hit the second map the dartmoor manor is really 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 good in uh hitman 3 and i really like it so it's great playing agent 47 again this is the finale of the trilogy uh, i'm sure that agent 47 is not going anywhere anytime soon though since he is a very popular character and they plan on having year like another year of hitman and uh, having additional content for hitman 3 to come out let alone maybe eventually creating a new hitman storyline the hitman also had two movies that came out yeah yeah hitman the first movie came out in 2007 and stars timothy oliphant and the second movie was agent 47 which came out in 2015 starring rupert friend friend rupert friend yes their movies <laughs> to be fair the the first one i've only seen the first one that that movie is exactly how i play hitman so like it's a it's a bombastic action movie for the most part the beginning part he's like kind of stealthy and then there's like crazy action set pieces and it's like that's how i play hitman it's been a while since i've seen both of them uh they're really fun movies especially if you love the hitman franchise which i do i believe i liked the second movie better i think it was more of like a more representation rep more representative movie of the franchise but we are not here to talk about hitman though maybe one day we'll do an episode on hitman because 40 the original hitman is showing its age maybe we will be talking about the original original hitman game someday soon that day is not today though no no, no, that day is not today. In fact, we're, we're not talking about anything that's related to Hitman. It'd be really funny if there was a Hitman game released for this console, though. But today we're talking about the Nintendo Game Boy, a great system. And as with all great systems, we'll talk about our memories. Seth, what are your memories of the Game Boy? Uh, so the Game Boy was very popular around the time that I was in middle school and many people brought in there it was more the game boy color that was really popular or at least gaining popularity but you know there were those i think there was a, also like the game boy pocket which was uh like a slim down version of the game boy not many people had the old the gigantic honking game boy however i i also remember when people did have that but i remember especially in middle school my friends bringing their game boys to the school and playing the 
fresh new game of Pokemon on it and trading Pokemon with each other. And I was very jealous of their Game Boy games. Uh, so I played Game Boy games on my uh, computer, which is a thing that you could do and would use a thing called No Money Game Boy. It's like no dollar sign Game Boy or something like that. It's no cash. That's how it's said. It's a dollar sign though. Yes, but it's it's called no cash. As a child growing up, I called it no money uh, since it said no and then a dollar sign. And now I don't actually think I realized that it was an emulator that you could play games for free and it was called no money. I just always thought it was like kind of techie because it had a dollar sign in it. And now looking back, I think it just said that you were just cheap. <laughs> <laughs> But I was sad because I would, even though I had additional capabilities on my emulator, such as uh, speeding up, slowing down, and rewinding time and save states, I could not trade Pokemon with my friends. So I had to trade Pokemon with myself, which is kind of lame. Sounds really sad. Well, whatever you need to do to get the evolution. My wife still has her original Game Boy Color, complete with branded Nintendo Game Boy bag, a Nintendo Game Boy holder that's made out of like some sort of nylon plastic and then uh, or like a rubberized plastic and then uh, she has a few games including pokemon blue gold zelda and harry potter and tetris what about you zach do you have any fun memories i had a friend who had the og game boy the the brick it was definitely like a hand-me-down though and i remember it had this massive game genie that you could latch onto the back of it the game genie would go into the cartridge slot and then you would have to put cartridges in upside down into the game genie so that they would fit properly um and it looked very silly also the game gear also the game genie for the game boy had a book that came with it it was a very tiny book but it was a book and it was filled with codes that you could use for all the games that were uh supported at that time when the book came out obviously probably more games would become supported as they were released but um still pretty cool i remember i played a lot of super mario land on that and that was pretty fun actually another memory of mine that just came up was that uh we had a family friend who had a super game boy which could play game boy games on the super nintendo and that was really cool and i loved playing wario land 2 on that however i i was banned from playing that because i deleted all their save files because i thought it was really fun when wario deleted the save files because he turned into a little bomb and then he exploded wow though a, another friend of mine did have a game boy color i used to play a ton of uh, tony hawk game on that and at some point i picked up a game boy color as well also at some point i had a gba uh which i got from a pawn shop and a gba allows you to play game boy and game boy color games so that's that's pretty cool but those are my memories at least fun uh, the game boy just harkens back to a simpler time now contrary to popular belief the game boy is not the first handheld game system that could use interchangeable cartridges in fact that honor goes to the milton bradley microvision which was released in 1979 uh interestingly enough we haven't covered the microvision yet no which is impressive because we usually cover old game systems that nobody heard about perhaps we have the milton bradley microvision in the future however that future is not today and we'll uh, put the milton bradley microvision and it's 12 games to the side for another day today's topic is as we've alluded to many a times is the Game Boy, specifically the Nintendo Game Boy, in case anyone was curious. Yeah, not the Sony Game Boy. 
Correct. The Game Boy start could be traced back to Gunpei Yokoi, creator of the Game & Watch series. Uh, we talk about Yokoi a bit when we covered the Game & Watch back on episode 83, but as a reminder, he got his start at Nintendo back in 1965 and worked on maintaining the machines that manufactured Hanafudo cards. Hanafudo, if we haven't mentioned it, is a popular Japanese card game that Nintendo was best known for in its early days as well as being a love hotel. I think we did talk about that. We did talk about that, yeah. Uh, We also talked about how they had a taxi service. (laughs) Yes, Nintendo's done a lot of weird things before they became what they are today. Yokoi originally brought Nintendo some early success when he created the Ultra Hand Toy, which was an extending arm. He also worked on creating other Nintendo products like a love tester machine and potentially one of his biggest successes at Nintendo was when he was inspired by a businessman playing with a, an LCD calculator, and he ended up creating the Game & Watch handheld. Yokoi uh, would take on the role of Nintendo's chief engineer and lead for the R&D1 team. Yokoi saw the success of the Nintendo Entertainment System, or Famicom in Japan, as a sign that they should be moving forward with potentially one of the most ambitious projects yet. He sat down with Hiroshi Yamauchi, Nintendo's president, and suggested that they could create a handheld that had interchangeable ROM cartridges. Yamuchi was easily swayed by this idea and told Yokoi to begin work. So Yokoi would sit down with his new team and would soon start development of what was going to be internally called the Dot Matrix Game. Yeah, As that's the pro- a great name. <laughs> yeah, it is. The reason they called it the Dot Matrix Game was because the project would be using a Dot Matrix display instead of a segmented LCD screen that the Game & Watch uses. Uh, a Dot Matrix screen would allow the machine to play more than one game and not be limited to one game per machine, which is a problem that the Game & Watch has. Now, the name Game Boy actually came about when developer Shigisato Itoi visited Nintendo. I don't know the exact story about how he came up with the name Game Boy, but he's the one that's credited with the name. Internally, however, uh, the Game Boy was not really popular with developers at Nintendo. Uh, some employees were referring it as the uh, Dame game. Uh, Dame, roughly translating to hopeless or meaningless, uh, so people were literally calling it the meaningless game behind everyone's back, which is uh, really nice of them. <laughs> now, before launch of the actual product, Dutch game developer Hank Roberts showed off the game Tetris to Nintendo of America, and he was able to convince Nintendo of America's president, Minoru Arakawa, that they should port the game to the new system. Tetris would ultimately be bundled with the North American and European release of the Game Boy when the system launched. Which is probably why my wife owns Tetris. Now, the original Nintendo Nintendo Game Boy is a fairly large device, being about 3.5 inches wide, 5.8 inches tall, and 1.3 inches deep. It also weighed about 7.8 ounces, which is equivalent to about half a pound or 200 grams. The system contained a 2.6 inch LCD screen, a directional pad, an A and B button, and a start and select button. And all the buttons are a uh, like a membrane push, so they don't click. They kind of, you just depress them and they kind of come back. It also had a volume control dial, a dial to adjust contrast, an on and off switch, cartridge slot, and a link cable port. Uh, the link cable allowed the Game Boy to communicate with other Game Boy machines for multiplayer, 
as well as to attach it to various peripherals. The machine ran on an 8-bit sharp LR35902 processor, which clocked in at 4.19 megahertz. The color display was considered 2-bit and supported four shades of green color. So it wasn't a true color display. It was just green, more green. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So light to very dark olive green, which allows you to have shadows and you can have contrast and you can have high points. So you can have like light, you can have shadows, you can have darkness, so you can really display games. The machine ran on four AA batteries and could last up to 15 hours, which is a pretty significant amount of time. Certainly more time than the Game Gear. That's true. It should also be noted that the Game Boy was very durable, with one famous unit surviving a bombing during the Gulf War and still functioning to this day. This machine is on display at the Nintendo store in New York. Uh, I've seen it. Do they boot it on for you? Yeah, they keep it plugged in, they keep it turned on, and it's running Tetris. Uh, they've never replaced the screen, they never replaced any internal parts. Uh, it's great. And they keep it plugged in so they don't even need to put in batteries. I, I do want to mention before we talk about some of the games, there were some really fun peripherals for the Game Boy, such mm, as yes. the Game Boy printer. Uh, so the Game Boy printer allowed you to print things from your Game Boy on thermal paper. And the great thing about the printer is because it uses thermal paper, you don't have to buy ink for it. So you can find one to this day. And as long as the thermal unit still works they work perfectly it's also pretty cheap to get paper for it because it's the exact same paper used for receipt machines at like any store but the game boy printer is great because it would pair very well with the game boy camera That's which right. was an actual camera used to take photos on the game boy and these photos look awful but they are great <laughs> uh, zach owns uh the game boy camera peripheral and we used it to take pictures of ourselves in our hotel room when we went to retro world expo and then we we were going to do some other fun things, but the camera took horrible pictures, and that was the end of it. I brought it around on the show floor, but the lighting in the actual show floor would not have been conducive to good Game Boy camera photos. We should have brought, like, an additional, like, like a flash bulb yeah, or something like, like that. Like, old-timey, like, burst of, like, flash. And they also had the magnifier slash light. Yeah, there was a magnifier. There was the uh, worm light you could get, which looked like a little, like, twisty light. I think it was unauthorized, but it was... Combine that with the magnifier and you are set to go. There was like a thing that you could put it in to make the Game Boy even chunkier and it turned the D-pad into like an analog stick um, and it made the buttons bigger. It looks awful. Um, also, I do want to add in, uh, I did a little bit of research while Seth was talking and uh, apparently the name Game Boy from Shigesato Itoi was likely inspired by Sony's Walkman, which makes a lot of sense now that I think about it because the Walkman was popular back in the time the Game Boy was coming out. Right. You know, like a Walkman is a music device, a Game Boy is a game device. Especially if they were um, planning on selling it to the American audience. It's a good transition to, to an already popular brand. And, and as we noted with the Game Boy requiring light, the screen was not backlit, even though it could have the capability of being backlit at the time. They didn't do that until much later. In fact, a, a popular mod today is uh, taking a Game Boy Color and pulling the screen out and replacing it with a backlit screen. Now, there were six games that were launched for the Game Boy. Alleyway, which was a breakout clone. Baseball, which 
which is a game that involves baseball, Super Mario Land, a platformer that features everyone's favorite plumber, Mario, tennis, Tetris, which we talked about a little bit about earlier, but that was the game uh, that was brought over and was bundled with the North American and the European release of the Game Boy, and a game called Yakuman, which was a Japanese exclusive that is uh, just a version of Mahjong, which is a popular tile-based game. Throughout the Game Boy's entire life cycle, which is 1989 to 2003, that's the original Game Boy's life cycle, it saw a lot of games. There actually were a total of 1,048 licensed games that were released for the machine across all regions. There were also, of course, a number of games that were released without Nintendo's permission, such as unlicensed titles developed by companies like Sachin, Wisdom Tree, or Komen, and there are also plenty of bootleg titles as well, such as games made by Taiwanese company Makonsoft or GameTech. One popular type of bootleg for the Game Boy, um, and you'll actually still find this type of bootleg to this day, is the Multicart, uh, which would contain multiple games on one cartridge, and all of these bootlegs often saw circulation throughout Asia, Taiwan, or parts of Europe. Now in terms of the official games, one of the most popular games that saw birth on the Game Boy was of course the Pokemon games. To this day, Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, and Yellow have combined sales of 46 million units. This actually exceeds Tetris. Tetris only had 35 million units, and I will remind you that Tetris was literally bundled with the system. More copies of Pokemon were sold than Tetris. Tetris literally came with the system. Yeah, but Pokemon required multiple copies. That's fair. Now, looking at some lists of uh, best-selling games, specifically just for the Game Boy, just after Tetris, Super Mario Land clocked in at about 18,140,000 units, and Super Mario Land 2 was not too far behind with 11,180,000 units. Curiously enough, even later release titles like Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, which came out as late as 1998, still sold over 1.6 million units in total. So even later Game Boy games were doing very well. I think it was also due in part that as Nintendo developed future systems, they did maintain some backward compatibility for a little while. So when we talk about the Game Boy, there is the original Game Boy. There is also the Game Boy family. There was a number of Game Boys that were released up until about 2003. So even a game being sold in 1998 still would end up having five years of you being able to play it on like new system as it were. Now, even though it didn't have color like the Atari Lynx, its competitor when it came out, it, the Game Boy did have a competitive advantage of price point, which it would be its introductory price point was 12,500 yen, uh, 89.99 in the US market or 69.99 pounds. Um, and it's very long-lasting battery. And when it released in Japan in 1989, all 300,000 units that were stocked were sold, and it would continue to sell out as they released additional units. By 1997, prior to the Game Boy Color, 64.42 million units of Game Boy had been sold worldwide, which, if you average out over from 1989 to 1997, is about 8 million units per year. Or, if you look at it towards its 
competition. In one year, they almost sold as much as the Sega Game Gear sold its entire life, which was 10 million units. Or it sold three times the amount in one year than the entire amount of the Atari Lynx, which was about 3 million. Or five times the amount of the Turbo Express by NEC in one year versus 1.5 million units that they did the entire life. In fact, the game system sold so well that when they were asked in 1994, when would they release a color version of the system, the VP of Nintendo Marketing, Peter Main, said that the Game Boy is still selling well enough that they'll work on a successor later because why bother fixing something that's not broken? Now, the entire Game Boy family, including the Color Light Pocket and the Play It Loud edition, uh, would go on to sell 118.69 million units, 32.47 million in Japan, 44.06 in the American market, both North and South, and 42.16 million in all other regions. To this day, there have been only two game systems that have outsold the Game Boy, including consoles, the PlayStation 2 and the Nintendo DS, which you could argue that the Nintendo DS is an evolution of the Game Boy. <laughs> so if you look up third best-selling game system in the ever, it's going to be the Game Boy and the Game Boy family, as it were. To say that the Game Boy was a trendsetter is definitely an understatement, as the system really helped define what it meant to be a handheld game console. The machine saw initially three revisions of its, like, OG model. So the original Game Boy, before the color, there were three iterations of that version. The Play It Loud edition, which came out in 1995, uh, this was a version of the Game Boy that was released in uh, small quantities, but had colored cases. There was a joke that I think I saw somewhere where it was sometimes referred to as the color Game Boy as opposed to the Game Boy Color. There was also the Game Boy Pocket, which released worldwide in 1996. This was a much more trimmed down version of the original model, which not only featured a lower price point, but also uh, just generally uh, had a, a smaller size. And also the Game Boy Light, which came out in 1998, but only in Japan. Uh, and the Pocket and the Light are kind of unique in the sense that they had two AAA batteries to function as opposed to the four AA batteries. The Pocket also saw an update in the screen. So instead of having the four different shades of green, it actually used true black and white. So it was using four shades of, uh, I guess you could say gray slash black and white, where it would go from black to dark gray to lighter gray to white. Uh, and the Game Boy Light, as the name implies, added a backlight, which was needed as the, the Game Boy is very hard to see in the dark. Now, following the light, the Game Boy Color was released in 19. 1998. Unlike what the name would imply, the Game Boy Color is actually more of like an updated machine rather than just a Game Boy that does color. Right, which is why when we were talking earlier, we said up to 1997 we were looking at Game Boy sales because really the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Light, and the Game Boy Play It Loud Edition are different form factors of the same machine. And also the Play It Loud Edition, the Game Boy Pocket, and the Game Boy Light, and the original Game Boy will all play the same cartridges. They will not play Game Boy Color cartridges. The Game Boy Color can play Game Boy and Game Boy Color cartridges, but anything before that will not play a Game Boy Color cartridge. It'll actually give you a warning saying like this game is not functional on this device. But the 
uh, the Game Boy Color has its own line of games and was also a, a pretty successful console when it came out. A 32-bit successor saw life as the Game Boy Advance in 2001. This version of the system was backwards compatible with previous versions of the Game Boy and Game Boy Color line, but also featured its own line of entirely new games that I would say are more comparable to games on the Super Nintendo as opposed to maybe games on the original Nintendo that the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color were capable of. A revision to the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Advance SP, was released in 2003 and it added a front light. There was also a backlight version that was released in 2005. The final redesign of the Game Boy Advance was the Game Boy Micro in 2005, but it actually removed backwards compatibility completely with the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color software, so it could only play Game Boy Advance titles. And really, as Seth mentioned, the successor to the Game Boy line would be, in November of 2004, the release of the Nintendo DS. The DS, by Nintendo standards, is not considered a Game Boy. Nintendo will not call the DS the Game Boy DS. It's its, its own entire line of systems, and it's its own family. But the original DS did have backward compatibility with the GBA, and did actually see release of Game Boy and Game Boy Color games via its virtual console later in its life. So you could play Game Boy and Game Boy Color games via the virtual console on your 3DS, for example, later in the life. Now, of course, we should talk about the competition, so I'll briefly mention it. Inspired by the tsunami that was the wake that Nintendo had left, companies wanted to compete. Companies like Atari, Sega, Watara, Bitcorp, and NEC all leaped into the handheld market with their Lynx, Game Gear, Supervision, Game 8, and Turbo Express, respectively. All of these consoles have some impressive elements to them, though none of them could hold a candle to the blaze that Nintendo had going. So really, when Sega came out with the Game Gear, it was like, this is cool, look at what Nintendo's doing. <laughs> and I'm sure there are maybe four people out there who remember what the Watara Supervision is. That's how well that console did. With that, we're gonna... Uh wrap it all up and go down to our buy way pass segment where we're going to talk about games that we're excited about buying waiting or passing uh i'm going to pick a game first and i'm going to describe the game zach will see if he wants to know more the answer is always yes though he always wants to know more and then i will tell him the game he'll look it up and he'll give us his gut reaction to the game all right i'm ready my listening ears are ready in this game, you have not seen the person in the game in a long time, but they have a favor that they want to ask you for. And that favor is for you to go get a common good from somewhere. It's a, a common consumable good. Okay. And you have to get it. How you get it? Who knows? What game is this? It's Buy Me Some Soup. Buy Me Some Soup. All right, we're going to take a quick break as Zach looks up this game. And we're back. So Buy Me Some Soup is a game created by a developer and publisher called Weekend. Not to be confused with the band The Weekend. Anyway, this game is a interesting kind of like simulation point and click adventure game where you are essentially looking at like a Windows 95 desktop and interacting with objects on the screen as someone is looking to ask you for some soup. So um, this game looks fun, I will say. Uh, I do think it's funny that its release date is 2022, but they put in a uh, very, very long long like underscore it just says hi at the very end but it's so long it actually breaks your steam page if you look at it 
And that's entertaining. I'm going to say bye. This looks like a fun game. You're this looks like, it? Yeah, I think so. This game, I think I can waste some time on. I don't know if I'm going to buy it like on release. I might buy it when it goes on sale. I'm going to put it on my wish list, keep an eye out for it. And when it's released, I'll give it some thought. But this looks like a fun game. So I'm going to say, I guess more accurately, You're it's, like say a, bye. it's like a wait buy. But yeah, a buy. It's, a, it's definitely a buy. Awesome. I'm so excited. It's great. The games that I put thought into it, you'll end up passing. But the games that I just grab randomly, you're, you're, you're buying. Seth, are you ready for your game? I am. Do you have your listening hat on? No, do I need that? No. So this game, Seth, is a sequel to a game that was never released. So the original game is actually so mysterious that there is discussion to this day about whether or not it was a real game or uh, potentially was a copyright trap that people were using, but there's no evidence that this game ever came out. This game is the sequel to that game that ever came out. In the game, you have to play as characters who have to banish evil in in a uh, hundred different levels and uh there are 10 original stages and there's boss stages in, in in this game this game is due out actually it actually came out already uh it's due out february 2nd of 2022 and it's being developed by uh john riggs the youtuber are you curious about this game sure it's yeah yeah bebus 2 all right let's look up yeah yeah bebus 2 Uh, so we're back. We're back. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Beavis 2, as Eck mentioned, or did vaguely mention, it's a sequel to a game that's considered lost media, which is what happens when data goes missing and no one knows where it is. And it is a 2D platformer with uh, pixel graphics and does look like something that I would probably enjoy. And we'll put it down as a wait as I will need to get into my 2D platforming mood before I buy it. But I'll definitely put it on my wish list as it looks fun and energetic. Yeah. It's very colorful. It's got a lot of purple and greens. I will also mention for anyone curious on Yeah Yeah Beavis 2, it will not just be on Steam. It's also available on switch and there is a physical nintendo cartridge for the original nes that you could pick up of the game i think john riggs the one of the guys who helped work on the game has it available on his on his website very cool all right so that's going to be our 114th episode of classic gaming brothers where we talk about the game boy uh if you enjoyed the show you can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also follow us on all of our social medias our facebook instagram and twitch our classic gaming brothers and our twitter is cg brothers pod if you want to listen to us you can listen to us wherever you listen to us already or on any podcasting applications available and if you want to support us you can give us a rating go to whatever podcasting app you use and give us a good solid rating on itunes or what have you uh, zach is there anything else that i'm missing don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we've been the classic gaming brothers that